This song is familiar, you know it, you can sing it with me, but this is a beautiful song and this morning I was praying about what to sing and and I thought of this song and and then I went to go find this song and it was right on top, so I felt like that was probably, probably what the Lord wanted me to do this morning, so I'm ready, y'all. <clears throat>
thing. I wish we had about 30, 40 more of them, but I don't know if Katrina would go for that this time. <laughs> Boy, it's good to see you. My, my. Wasn't that a beautiful hymn, Christmas hymn that uh, Amber sang? You did it justice, sweetheart. Did it justice. Beautifully given. Oh, my. I'm so excited about Christmas. I love Christmas time. And we'll get Christmas message this morning, tonight, Wednesday night, all the way through to Christmas morning. But if you'll turn to 1 Timothy 3.16, possibly the greatest verse in your Bible in reference to the incarnation of our Lord when God became a man. 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16. If you'll look at that with me, please. And let's enjoy this time together. Let's enter into this and follow along and just let our Lord speak to our hearts and minister to our needs. This is wonderful. 1 Timothy 3.16 Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What's the great mystery? Here it is. God was manifest in the flesh. God became a man. How did that happen? Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached in the Gentiles, believed them in the world, received up in the glory. The message this morning is why God became a man, and this will be in manuscript form uh, on the website if you'd like it. We're starting to do that some. So if you want this manuscript of the actual message, it will be on the website today. And yes, it's typed. It's not handwritten. You could never read it. Some of you have already heard my feelings. You've seen my handwriting and you said, Preacher, that looks like Egyptian hieroglyphics. Uh, that really wounded me deeply. But this is, this is typed, so you can read it. But let's look at this. Why God became a man. Pray with me. Dear Lord, what a joy to be here. I love this time. And now, sweet Holy Spirit, be our preacher. Share with us wonderful words of life. Meet every need of everyone standing before me. We're not here just for a religious exercise. We need to hear from heaven. Please, dear Lord, come down, walk among us, grace us with your presence, meet every need, and I'll praise you for all you do for asking in your name of thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. As I said, this possibly the greatest single verse in your Bible about the Incarnation. And if you notice the reading of it, it starts with his virgin birth and goes all the way through his life ministry and then his ascension back to heaven. One verse covers every bit of that. In your Bible, an amazing book. Oh, my soul. There's no other book like this that's ever been written. Do you not find it amazing that God became a man, especially when you consider John 4, 24. They says God is a spirit. God does not have a body. You'll never see God in physical form. You will behold His glory, and you'll see Him in physical form in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But God the Father is a spirit. You will never see Him. You can't see God. You can behold His glory. John 1, 18. No man has seen God at any time. Yet this verse says God was manifest in the flesh. God became a man. Listen to this. The invisible, intangible God became visible and touchable. Do you not find that amazing? This God who is the eternal spirit, no body, he has no tangible form, but now 
men could see him and touch God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God became a man. That's the most fascinating thing I've ever considered. God became a man. Now, why did he do that? If I could put it in your terms and mine, that was rather inconvenient for God to go through all that and become a man. But why did God become a man? First of all, to prove God's existence. There are several arguments to prove God exists, but one of the greatest one is the universe itself and the design of it. Am I right? What an amazing world we live in and the universe above us and the trillions upon trillions and trillions of stars that never clean out its orbits, never collide with other stars. They're in their orbits all the time. There is design in those stars. There's design on the planet, on the earth all around you. The beauty, the color of it all. Have you ever looked at the colors on a butterfly's wing? The intricate design, the colors? Someone had to design that. The design requires a designer. Am I right? Now mankind pushes God, the concept of him, out of their minds and says, oh, that's because of evolution. If you believe that, you've got too much wind blowing through your attic. You've got water on your brain. Your elevator does not go all the way to the top. You're a few fries short of a Happy Meal. What I'm trying to tell you is you ain't right if you think that. That makes no sense. Once I was a blob, beginning to begin, then I was a tadpole long and thin. Later I was a monkey in a banyan tree, and now I'm a doctor with a PhD. Does that make sense to you? You know better than that. You are intelligent people. We believe in creation, not evolution. Say amen. amen. We are creationists. God created all this. Design requires a designer. And that designer is our God. God does exist. But the greatest argument that God exists was when he became a man. Through the virgin birth, the miracle of it, God became a man in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the greatest argument that there is really a God. God exists because Jesus came. By the way, this thing of evolution is very dangerous. According to Romans 1, verses 20 and 21, uh, the invisible things are seen and made because of God who made them, but then they would not know him as God, they would not recognize him as God in the creation, and God gave them over to a dark mind. That's the first stage in becoming a reprobate. The first stage in becoming a reprobate is to deny that God is the creator of all things. That's the first stage. A full-blown reprobate has no capacity to know right from wrong. Doesn't care, doesn't have any feeling, doesn't have any capacity. That's a full-blown reprobate. And the first stage in becoming a reprobate is saying there is no God. Dangerous. I'm glad for our school systems in Gordon County. Really, really creationist by and large. And that's wonderful. Somebody asked a little boy in Sunday school to describe what it meant for Jesus to be born. He said, well, that's God with skin stretched over him. 
I like that. Huh? That's God with sin stretched over him. We know there is a God not just by creation, but because he came in the person of the Christ, his own darling son, and there he stood. The invisible, intangible God became visible and you could touch him and you could not deny that God exists because Jesus said, He that seen me has seen my Father. God became a man so we could know for sure that God does exist. John 1, 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld him. Listen to what John said in 1 John 1, 1. I looked at him. I handled him. I touched him. This man handled God. Is that not amazing? God who is an eternal spirit. Here's John holding this eternal God because God became a man, flesh and blood person, yet without sin. That is absolutely astounding. That's mind-boggling. I cannot comprehend that. And yet it's true. Hallelujah, it's true. God exists. We know that for sure. You might as well tell me my wife does not exist and tell me God does not exist. I know my wife exists. I look into her darling eyes. I hold her. I embrace her. I even kiss her. <laughs> Hope it don't embarrass you. That woman exists. That woman's real. That woman's in front of me all the time. And God exists. God's real. God's in front of me through His own Holy Spirit all the time. God is real. He's alive. And He's the only true living God. I love it. I love it. God became a man so He could demonstrate that He actually does exist. Second thing, if you like to know what it is, say amen. amen. Not only to prove his existence, but to prove his empathy. The definition of the word empathy is this. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. I love that about my God. God exists, but what kind of a God is he? Is he judgmental? Is he vengeful? Is he a tyrant? If he was, there was there would be nothing you could do about it. But aren't you glad he's not that kind of a God? He's not a bully. Our God is empathetic. Our God loves. He cares. He understands. He feels. He gets down in the very depths of what's going on in your world. Not only does he know it, he feels it. I love him for that. He came to prove his existence. He came to prove his empathy. He really does care. That's absolutely amazing. We're told in Luke 4.18, the kind of ministry Jesus had when he came here. He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty them that are captive and those that are bruised. A lot of hurting, bruised people who need this kind of a God. 
And if you're that way in this room, you have that kind of a God available to you. Don't you leave without having your needs met this morning. He can help you. He can heal you. <laughs> I love that. I'm having trouble with my emotions. Uh, this is getting all over me. I love this. I may turn into a Baptist I don't know. I may start speaking in tongues. You don't know what I might do. Might throw a snake out in the middle of the aisle. Everybody leave the building then. You say, why are you getting so excited? Because I have a living God who's inside me through the Holy Spirit of God. Why shouldn't I be excited? He's my best friend 24-7. He never leaves me, not for one millisecond. He's always there. He cares. He understands. And I can talk to him about anything, anytime. I have a God. I have a God who is filled with empathy toward me and toward you. I love that. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. We're told in Matthew 9, 36 that when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved. That's an important word. He was moved with compassion. The root word for that actually has a reference to your intestines. What that means is the deepest part of your being. Jesus is moved with the deepest part of his being and he gets inside the deepest part of your being where nobody else knows. Not even your companion can enter the depths of all of that. They might want to, but they can't. Only the Lord can enter into the deepest part of your being and feel it and understand it. Aren't you glad he can do that? We're told in John 11, 35, Jesus groaned in his spirit. There's the idea. When Jesus is moved with empathy, he groans inside. He feels your pain. He knows what you're going through, and he's capable of doing something about it. Amen. I, I love that, Poppy. Don't you love that? Yes, sir. I can feel the spirit. He's wonderful. My wife has a new surgery date now. Keep your fingers crossed. No, this is work this time. She's gone through all the hoops. Her heart's been, she's been cleared her heart so she can have a surgery. Two days after Christmas, December 27. We've been going through that one year this month. This month marks one year. Intense pain, excruciating pain all the time. Crying at night, sitting up in the morning. One year of it. Not singing any sad songs, people in here, some of you may have more problems than that, trying, not trying to evoke sympathy from you, Nothing, no, not at all. But I learned something in that year. The Lord will keep you in a hurtful situation long enough to where it gets to where in your heart it doesn't matter which way it goes as long as he's there. He may deliver you, he may not. But he will keep you in that position long enough to where you can say, or it really doesn't matter which way it goes. You can give a surgery date, or you may not. But it's as long as you're near, and you love on me, that's all I care about. I wouldn't take anything to learn that kind of a lesson. I wouldn't give you a dime to go through it again. 
But I wouldn't take a million dollars for the experience of it. Keeping you under that pressure until it doesn't matter anymore which way it goes. All that matters is that He is there. And you learn His compassion for you. The greatest reason I know He cares is because of Calvary. 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. Now there may be days you don't feel like God loves you. You may feel like God's nowhere around. He's not giving you a thought. But if you look at Calvary, all those thoughts will vanish because that's proof positive God cares for you. Jesus died for you for one reason. He loves you. That's a constant that never changes. Your emotions come and go. But that's a constant. Jesus died for you. Paid for your sins. You've got to know he loves you based on that. Am I right? And there's a third and final thing, and that's to provide eternal life. He came to provide eternal life. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now listen, listen carefully. If that's not true, then nothing else about God really matters. Because you'll never see him anyway. You're never going to heaven. You're still lost in your sins. You're doomed for an eternal damnation. It doesn't matter. Whatever else we say about God, if this is not true, nothing else matters. But it is true. He came to give eternal life. To all those who repent of their sins and believe on His name, He grants them eternal life. It's a free gift from God to you. I love that. That's wonderful. The reason Jesus took on physical form, the reason God became a man, is because coursing through his veins was blood. Sinless blood. But blood, in Leviticus 17.11 says, without the blood there is no atonement for sin. God ordained it to be that way back in the Old Testament, even when Adam and Eve sinned. And so that blood was poured out at Calvary as a sin offering to pay your debt and mine. And that's the main reason he came, to give eternal life. If you ever follow this, if you're saved with the grace of God, you will live on and on and on forever. You will never die. You say, well, what about when my funeral is taking place? You won't be there. You'll be in the glory and the presence of the Lord Jesus. Saved people never die. Unsaved people die twice, physically and spiritually. They die an eternal death, but they never cease to exist. That's the horror of hell. They're dying eternally, spiritually, in a body that cannot be consumed by fire, and it never ends. They're always dying while you're always living. Well, there's not much of a choice there. You need to run to Jesus for eternal life. That's so wonderful. Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross. God became a man. I, 
I've spent all my life here and trying to figure that out. How did that happen? God, who is the eternal spirit, became a man. Men saw him, held him, touched him, listened to him. How did that happen? But the miracle of virgin birth. I don't understand it, but I sure do believe it. I've experienced him. He lives inside me. And the wonderful thing is, he's our best friend. He cares very deeply. Remember that? Very deeply. You say, preacher, people don't get me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, what they see and hear. Well, he gets it. I wish I could get it too. I wish I could enter into the depth of your suffering. I may be able to. I may not something. But he always gets it all the time. Whatever you're experiencing today, if you'll come to him, you'll find a Savior who's filled with empathy, who loves you, cares for you, understands you, will listen to you, respond to you, and has the ability to take care of you. If I were you and I was burdened down, something so deep nobody else knows it, it may go back years. It may have banged you up, bruised you up, scarred you up, you never really dealt with it. Come and deal with it with him. He'll help you today. Let's bow for prayer. Our musicians are coming. This is why God became a man. To prove his existence, his empathy, and to give eternal life. I'm overwhelmed by I, I just can't help it. I'm overwhelmed by it. It's the most amazing truth I've ever considered. How this wonderful, amazing, eternal spirit, God, became a man. People could see him, talk to him, touch him, handle him. Amazing. And he could become their savior and best friend. I wonder why his bowed eyes are closed and they can start playing whenever they're ready. How many of you could say, Preacher, I know this wonderful man, this God-man called Jesus. He lives in my heart. He's my Savior. I know I'm saved. If I die today, I'd go to heaven. Preacher, I'm saved. I know it. Can I see your hands, please? I know him. I know him. God bless you. Thank you. Is there a man, woman, boy, or girl in this room that say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I know I'm safe in this room. Nobody's going to harm me. Nobody's going to come to me or try to embarrass me. But I don't know for sure that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Preacher, pray for me. Lift your hand up, please, and back down, up and down. Thank you. Preacher, you mentioned Jesus goes to the deepest parts of my being, inside me, the very core of my being. And he can hurt with me, groan with me. He gets it. He knows how I feel. Preacher, I've got some special needs today. God knows what they are. I may have cared them for a long time, or they may be recent. But preacher, I have a special need. I'd like to be remembered in prayer. Would you pray for me? Lift your hand up and put it down. Nobody's looking. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand, if you will, please, with heads down. Some of you may not have raised your hand, but you still want to come. Listen, this is your time. Take advantage of it.
run to the Savior if you need to, but get the help you need. Wayne, what we sing today? This is 373 in the church hymn. Sing it with him, please.
We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Going to the cross, dying for us, Lord, so we can be saved, Lord, and join you one day, Lord. We just want to thank you again, Lord. I want to thank you and thank you and thank you, Lord. Now go with us today. Be with those that are sick and hurting that's been mentioned today. We ask you to be with them and bless them in such a way. Now go with us, speak and God bless us. We give you all the praise for it. All these blessings I ask in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd still like to sing with us on our Christmas program, it's still, we still got plenty of slots up there.